Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work, but more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job or maybe you've been unemployed for a while or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Savina. Welcome to the podcast. Things are going fantastically well. It's been a busy week. I'll give you an update in just a second. I want you to stay tuned to the podcast in the upcoming days. Great things are happening in the upcoming week, and I'll share more online, on LinkedIn. But it's all good stuff. I want to get to an update that is important to me. Several weeks ago, I posted on LinkedIn. I shared a message that one of my clients got from a recruiter. This client had been out of work for a while without a nibble, without, he was getting the system-generated, thanks-for-playing emails. He was getting very dejected, super excited. He had a screen, had a phone screen set up, got the email from the recruiter. We want to talk more with you, set up this date with the calendar link. All excited. We did some prep. We're all ready to move forward. The phone screen was due to happen on a Tuesday after a holiday weekend. That Friday, The recruiter sent an email that said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, it said, we scheduled this by mistake. Thank you for applying. We're moving forward with other candidates. And then it had the recruiter's name. That's it. I hope you are sharing with me that kind of feeling of being a little, I'm going to say it, enraged. I could not believe the audacity of the recruiter. I put that aside because I'm now dealing with a client who is on the verge of tears. This is a a man who has a great resume, nicest guy you'd ever meet. And what does he say to me? He says what everybody thinks in these situations. His first words are, what did I do wrong? And I have to put on like the coach hat and put aside my feelings and say, first of all, you did nothing wrong. You didn't even talk to these people. And from what I'm seeing, clearly you knew how to set up a meeting. I had to do the there, there's. I counseled him as best I could. He was trying hard not to cry. 
That broke my heart. We agreed we'd touch base over the weekend. I don't want to leave someone hanging when they're feeling like this, and I work with them. I went ahead and posted something on LinkedIn because, look, I know I give recruiters a rough time. I know you have a hard job. It is very difficult when you have to pick one person out of the field to give a job to, and the rest you have to give disappointment to. I know you've got a hiring manager on your back. You've probably got a boss on your back. They're asking you for the impossible. They want that candidate that checks all the boxes. That's never going to happen. But you also have this privilege and obligation to give people dignity and respect during a point in time where they are probably at their lowest. That needs to be kept in mind. If you're unable to do that, this is not the career for you. I posted on LinkedIn. I had a few people make some comments. I was told that I was not understanding how a recruiter, what a recruiter goes through. I get it. What bothered me about the message was no accountability. I made a mistake. We made an error. There was no reassurance to the individual. You're an incredibly qualified candidate. We've just had a change in plans. And there was no apology. We understand how difficult the job search can be. We apologize if we've caused you any undue stress. Please keep going back to our website to look for other available positions. Something like that. Anything. My client got nothing. A couple days later, after he got the email, after we talked, after the holiday, I don't think I had posted yet, he called me up and he said, okay, I'm over it. It took me all weekend. I talked to my wife. We went back and forth. Let's keep trying, which you don't have any other option, but I appreciated the enthusiasm. We rethought the job search. Are we doing everything we need to do? Are we aligned? Is there anything we change? We made a couple of minor tweaks. I'm happy to say that he called me last week. He's got a job. I know I'm excited, but just to hear the relief, the joy in his voice as he called me, he said, I'm telling you before I'm telling my wife. Wow. And now I've just outed him on that, but I think it's okay because we did have to talk about things like how to negotiate and starting dates and things like that. He did bring his wife into the loop too, by the way. But anyway, he's going to start not this coming week, but the week after. He wants to take a week and just get ready to start a job, enjoy some time with the family, do some things around the house, just decompress so that he can focus on the new job moving forward. And that's exactly what you do in these situations. There's a point to this story and this update, and it inspired today's podcast. What I want to talk to you about are five things you need to embrace in the job search. 
mainly for your own peace of mind. These are things that are going to impact you, things you're going to experience. The sooner you just lean in, give into that, it will be an easier process for you. And some of these things, maybe you're already doing it. Fantastic. What I want to do is go through what you should embrace and a couple of strategies of how to embrace it. The number one thing, the one thing we hate more than anything else in this world is change. We are not that good at it considering we've been adapting for millions of years. We do not like change. We are creatures of routine. When you lose your job, pretty much every aspect of your life changes. That is hard to adapt to because it's not just one thing. On the surface, it looks like one thing. Oh, I'm out of a job. No, there's this ripple effect and it impacts your relationships, your professional identity, your family, your finances, your feelings of security, your confidence. All of these things are going to change and they're going to keep changing. It's this kind of ripple effect. It's a fluctuation. It's a wild ride. The one thing you can do that is going to help you is understand that what you had is no more. That sounds awful. Unfortunately, it is true. A lot of people ask me, like, what is different about what you do? This is it. (laughs) Many people jump right back into the job search trying to recreate what they lost. I find that the people who embrace the change, make their own changes, be it financially, mentally, professionally, have more resilience. They have greater long-term success, greater happiness. You just have to understand the change. There are some ways to do that. I think one of the best ways is to just regroup. Think about this as a time of innovation and creation. Are you doing what you want to do? Should you be doing something different? But then also do something different. I recently talked to a client who said, I'm going to set aside eight hours a day, the time I would have been in at work looking for jobs. I'm like, oh, please don't do that. And he's like, no, it'll feel good. It'll feel like I'm going to work. And I'm like, no. You should not spend eight hours a day, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week looking for work. What you should do is start your own routine. Start adapting to these changes by creating a structure that works for the now. Spend more time with family, work out, read for fun, do self-care, target your job search to reflect your new structure. That's leaning into that change. If you go back to your home office, and I'm sorry, but your mind is still going to think that you're at your old job, you need to let that go. Keeping the same behavior is not going to be the way to do that. You need to lean into that change, pick up some new habits Think of something that might have been missing from your life that you want to carry into 
the new you, the you 2.0. That's how you adapt to that idea of change. Here's the second thing that I want you to understand and accept in the job search. The pace of the job search. At least once during every client interaction, during their sessions, during a speech, somebody says to me, is it always like this? And I I know the answer to this, but I ask, what do you mean? And they say, it's taking forever. Okay, first of all, it feels like that because you need the outcome. You're waiting for the, you're watching the pot, waiting for it to boil. But in the words of Miranda Priestley, yes, the job search goes at a glacial pace. It seems to take forever. What's worse is you'll get these little snippets of bright spots of, hey, I've got an email that someone wants to talk to me, and then it takes two weeks to find five minutes. Or you go to one round of interviews, and then you don't hear from anybody for weeks at a time. You start to move on. That's inevitably when you get the phone call or the email saying, oh, we loved you. We want to move to the next level with you. What does your August look like? Yeah, that's how it goes. I once applied to a job in early June, and they gave me an offer at the end of August, but they didn't want me to onboard until mid-October because they wouldn't be ready for me. When you are doing the job search, you have to understand This is the center of your universe. It is your sun. Getting a new job is pretty much your entire existence. That's why I keep telling you, you have to fill your life with other things. All the people who are responsible for you getting another job, the recruiters, the hiring manager, the HR folks, even the search firm, that's going to vet you, even things like maybe you're working somewhere that wants to have a blood test or something like that. You are not the center of their universe. You're a blip in some far-off galaxy. They have a million other things to do besides their daily jobs. Schedules have to be coordinated and it can't happen during, I don't know, the, uh, the Murphy Gomez account or something like that. It's this constant kind of Tetris of when is everything going to align so that Sabina can come in for an interview. And then that's just one phase. We get to do it all over again if Sabina goes on to the next round. It will be at a very slow pace for you. It is maddening. Some things that you can do. Well, ooh, let's talk about a few more reasons why it also might be a little slow. People hate making decisions. We are in a world, a culture of FOMO, fear of missing out. Remember I told you just a few seconds ago that 
They want the candidate who's going to check all of the boxes. Nobody does. There is always something missing. And unfortunately, it's like this wish list to Santa when a hiring manager wants to fill a role because they want absolutely everything that the person who left the role had and more. Oh, this is our opportunity to have everything that Bob used to do, plus these other 30 things that I think Bob should have known how to do. It's not a good match, folks. They're always convinced that, oh, if I wait two more days, the perfect candidate is going to apply for the job. That doesn't happen, folks. Just understand, organizations don't understand change either. And it would be nice if they did. But you, unfortunately, in the job search are a little bit of a victim to that. There's also this fear of commitment because you're going to spend more time at work than anywhere else. It's very hard, and I still don't understand this. In the interview process, you maybe get a couple of hours with the people who are going to work with you. Both you and they have to decide if it's a good match based on that. To me, it's the equivalent of meeting someone for coffee and then deciding to get married. It's just the way we work it, and it is often just crossing your fingers, vetting the candidate, vetting the organization. Let's see what happens. I think that's why we have to be a lot more flexible about things. Other reasons the job search might take a long time. Money. Oh my goodness. Budgets change all the time. People want to tweak things. We are now at this great point where we are starting to see the range of salaries posted in job descriptions. We no longer have to do that little dance. But then there's also negotiation of other things like days off, development, working from home, hybrid, coming into the office, all of those things. And then sometimes, sometimes the business needs change. I know I'm bringing in a lot of me stories today, and I apologize for that. I interviewed for a job, and the interview went well. By the time I drove home, which was oh, probably, I don't know, 40 minutes away, there was a message saying, oh, we want you to come to the next round. Super excited. They loved me. Two days later, I got a call saying, the person who was going to leave the job and retire has opted not to do that. Not a great day for me. There are these needs in the business. And here's the thing. You may never know. Sometimes they can't tell you. Sometimes they shouldn't. You're not their employee. They're, yes, let's go back to my update from today. There should be a courtesy. When I was told the person wasn't retiring, they were nice to me. They were very consoling. It helped. What can you do when the speed of the job search is, well, <laughs> you have very little to do with it? I always tell people, and you know this, never just look for one job, never keep one job going. 
the sting of not getting that role because someone decided they weren't ready to retire. It wasn't so bad. I already had two other job interviews in different processes, different places in the process. It made it easier for me. That's why I always say, keep it going. You want to make sure that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Couldn't resist. That's why with my client, that sting of that email of, we scheduled this by mistake. That's why it stung so much. That was all he had going. We worked together and realized he actually had a lot of other things he could be doing. We put a plan into action. It clearly paid off. Keep all of that in mind. But this brings me to the third thing. You have very little control in the job search process. This is an issue when you've left a job where maybe you were a leader, or maybe you were a manager, or maybe you were just responsible for something and you kept, you opened the store every day on time. You did your job, you did it well. You had complete control of your job. Then you have absolutely none in the job search. It can be just devastating when you realize your entire life is in the hands of others. And this is where I say what you can do to combat that, stay busy. Make sure that you are applying to whatever fits your criteria and is available and that you keep up with that. But then you also have other things going on. That's why habit and routine are important. Your professional development, going back to school, volunteering, mentoring, anything like that, anything that keeps you busy, busy in a good way, busy doing something that you want to do, that you like to do, that is going to get you through that lack of control. Because when you're busy, when you're creating a routine, you're in control. Being in control of you is the best way that you can handle the situation of not being able to completely control your job search. Okay, now we're up to number four. We talked about the glacial pace of the job search until there seems to be this kind of tipping point where you wait and you wait and then you get these emails or phone calls and they're always very rushed and it's, oh, we want you to come in and interview, but the only time the hiring manager has is tomorrow at two. And you go through this thing of, yay, but then you're also thinking, if I'm available, is that too needy? Is that too, am I giving something up by doing that? Here's the thing. We all know you're interviewing for a job. If you want the interview, be accommodating. If you want to be very nonchalant and be like, I can move some things and I'll see you at two tomorrow, do that. You do you. But there will be this pressure. You have all that waiting and then it's, it's the wait and hurry up mode. And it will persist. If you decide 
that kind of alacrity, that pressure is not a red flag for you and you want to move forward, go back to the book. And one of the things I say, and this is one of those things people fought me over keeping in the book and I, I maintain I was right. People told me it was stupid and silly, but I suggest that when you lose your job, you want to set up like an interview kit. You want to make sure that all your technology is together for screens and for Zooms. And then you also want to make sure that you are ready at a moment's notice to throw on your interview clothes, that you have gas money, that you have a Metro card, whatever it is you need, that you have $5 to get a cup of coffee. All of that is ready to go. And I suggest you get it together right when you find yourself out of work. You make sure everything is clean. It fits. It looks great. You feel great in it. And then you check it every week. You try it on. You, I have somebody who actually sends me a selfie every week of them in their interview clothes. I love that accountability. It's a little extreme. I don't expect that from everybody, but they are motivated. That's all I can say. But you want to make sure that when you get that call of, hey, we want you to interview now or sometime today, you're ready to go. You will, it'll be one less thing you have to worry about. You'll be rehearsed. You'll be ready. You'll be looking great. And that comes across, that confidence, that good feeling comes across in the interview. That tipping point happens almost instantly. It is also my experience when you get one interview, you keep getting more. We want to have lots of offers so that we are taking the best job for ourselves. And you want to be ready for all of those interviews. Make sure that, you know, the old motto, be prepared. Make sure you're prepared. You might find it funny. You can laugh at me all you want. Trust me, when you need to get dressed and everything is ready to go, including your socks, your shoes are polished, you've got that gas card ready to go, you are going to thank me. I love the emails when people email me and say, it happened. I was wrong. You were right. I love that. Okay. So now our fifth thing. This is a hard one, and this will happen at the best time because it means you have a job. This is what I mean by this, being new. I just spoke with someone a couple of weeks ago who's starting a job, and she said to me, I haven't had a first day of work in over a decade. I don't know what to do. And we laughed, and I said, things have probably changed over 10 years. And we went through an onboarding plan for her. But that feeling, especially if you've been the go-to in your old job, and most of us, we were the go-to for something. We knew things no one else knew, be it, I know how to fix the printer, to I know which deli delivers lunch the fastest, to I know how to approach that customer when they're in a mood and I can placate them. We all have a talent, a point of pride in the job. So when you walk into a job and you're the new kid 
it feels weird. I don't care what job level you have. It's awkward. And it also makes you question. I, this is one of my favorite stories to tell. I had started a job and we had multiple offices. I was doing a training at another location. And I turned to one of my coworkers and said, how do I mail all the training materials to location X? And this was someone who was not happy about having to help train new people. Very loudly said, you don't know how to mail a package? And I said, no, I know how to mail a package. I don't know how to do it here. I don't know the process here. Keep that in mind. You are incredibly skilled. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been hired. But you have to learn how to do what you do somewhere new. That's the hard part. Keep in mind. Keep telling yourself, I am talented. I have skills. I just need to learn a new culture, a new location, a new organization, and focus on getting that knowledge. Be okay with not knowing everything. Write down things you want to know. Use this as a networking opportunity. Take someone for coffee in the break room and ask them a lot of questions. Here's the thing. Listen. You're used to selling yourself in the job search. Now that you've got the job, listen to other people who will support you and help you. They'll be invaluable to you. They're going to love that you listened to them because it's probably been a while since someone has listened to them and appreciated their knowledge. Ask questions. Give yourself a break. You're not going to be up to speed right away. It actually takes six months to learn a new job in a new location. That's the average. Make sure that you are giving yourself every chance for success and that you are embracing that newness rather than fighting it. That will go a long way to getting you up to speed. And there you have it. Five things to get used to when you're in the job search. Five things to embrace. Five things that we probably want to fight and resist. But if you give in, that job search will be easier. It might not be faster. It will be easier. And I struggled today because I wanted to leave you with something of one thing that I I didn't want you to do. One thing to not do, to stop doing. And I think where I'm going to land with this is never, ever stop believing in yourself. You're talented. You're skilled. You're educated. You did a good job. Everybody who is looking for a job, who wants a job, will get one. It will happen to you. I know you're going to have those peaks and valleys. That's what we're here for. But ultimately, you will start working and you will have the future you so richly deserve. Thanks for listening. And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out of work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please 
show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.